thinking heroes. What does the Constitution say about a multiply indicted person seen legally as a criminal running for president? Do indictments and arrests matter at the commander in chief level? Then it took a Canadian to ask the tough questions about 9-11. And then he wrote a book about it. Rethinking Heroes with Kerry Harrison. With over 700 military veteran journalists worldwide, it's your Rethinking Heroes flash briefing. Stories from the front. Rose Thayer here with your Rethinking Heroes flash briefing. An update on national defense news and stories affecting service members, veterans, and the rest of us. North Korea has confirmed they have custody of an American soldier who fled across the heavily armed border between North and South Korea last month. Speaking through a state-run news agency, North Korean officials confirmed they apprehended Army Private Travis King in July. The soldier had recently been released from a South Korean jail and was slated to return to the U.S. to face punishment from the Army. However, he somehow was able to join a tour group to the demilitarized zone and toward the end of the tour, he ran across the heavily guarded border into North Korea. North Korean officials said the 23-year-old soldier has admitted that he illegally intruded into their country and that he claimed he has been mistreated by the U.S. Army, including facing racial discrimination. Officials in the communist country also said the soldier told them he would like to seek refuge in North Korea or a third country. Pentagon officials told the military newspaper Stars and Stripes they have not been able to verify any of the comments allegedly made by Private King. Instead, the Defense Department reaffirmed its top priority in the matter is to get the soldier home and that they are working toward that goal. The negotiations are likely shaded by ongoing and increasing tensions in the region, particularly between the U.S. and China, a major ally of North Korea, which has recently been seen constructing new military infrastructure in disputed territory. China appears to be building an airstrip on an island in the South China Sea that Vietnam and Taiwan have claimed as their own. The Associated Press reported that has reviewed satellite images that show the construction on the island that is equal distance between Viet the Vietnam coast and China's province island of Hainan. The work on the island appears to be similar to some previously completed on seven human-made islands nearby, which have been equipped with airstrips, docks, and military systems. The new construction is believed to have begun in early August and appears to be somewhat more modest in scale than the previous construction. Based on the estimated length of the runway, the AP reported the airstrip would support turboprop aircraft and drones, but not fighter jets or bombers. China has continued to claim nearly all of the South China Sea as its own, despite international rulings that say otherwise. The U.S. doesn't take a stance on China's claims over the land, but does routinely send Navy ships to the area on what it calls freedom of navigation operations. Looking now at the U.S., the Army deployed an explosives team to a Colorado National Park recently after a hiker found a World War II-era landmine. The Denver Post reported the hiker was in White River National Forest when he came across a gray metal device with yellow letters on it nestled discreetly into the ground. The hiker called the sighting into the local sheriff's office. Army leaders at Fort Carson sent a team of soldiers specialized in explosives to locate and destroy the device. The area where the landmine was found was formerly an Army training area known as Camp Hale, where the 10th Mountain Division trained for World War II. Specifically, the Army used Camp Hale to prepare soldiers for winter war fighting in the mountain ranges of Europe. In the 1950s, the CIA also used the region for training. 
Camp Hale is west of Breckenridge and about a three-hour drive from Fort Carson. President Joe Biden declared Camp Hale Continental Divide a national monument last year, and local law enforcement said the Army has gone through great effort to clean the area of unexploded ordnance, but some does remain and can be dangerous. Anyone who locates old military equipment in the park is encouraged to document the location and call it in as soon as possible. Now for some promising news out of the Department of Veterans Affairs. The VA Health Administration said its workforce topped 400,000 for the first time because of months of pushing aggressive hiring tactics. The Federal Times reported that the VA aimed to hire 52,000 new healthcare workers by the end of September, and it's currently brought in about 48,000 new employees. The new hires include physicians, nurses, medical support assistants, and housekeeping staff. VA officials said this scale of growth is necessary to meet the growing demand for VA healthcare. In its latest budget request, which is for $325 billion, the VA projects that 7.4 million unique patients will visit its facilities this next year at nearly 140 million outpatient appointments. Earlier this year, the American Federation of Government Employees, which is the union that represents VA workers, voiced concern that staffing shortages were threatening the quality of patient care and increasing the agency's reliance on the private sector. The VA has also made efforts this year to hire more workers to review its benefit claims. Changes to eligibility for toxic exposure has led to a record-setting number of veterans applying for disability. As of August, there were more than 1 million claims pending with the VA, and of those, about 270,000 were considered backlogged, meaning the veteran had been waiting more than 125 days for a decision. For Rethinking Heroes, I'm Rose Thayer. Don't forget to subscribe and like Rethinking Heroes wherever you get your podcasts and follow and like us across all social media and on Substack. Just use the keyword Rethinking Heroes in any kind of search. You can also get our free Rethinking Heroes newsletter at RethinkingHeroes.com. Rethinking Heroes, life after the military. I've spent a decade taking a bite out of conspiracy theories, unraveling urban legends, and grappling with worldwide top secret issues. I've even racked up some of their awards. Wow, I mean, first of all, what a question. Journalism is about telling the truth, all while ferreting out the bottom line. I'm a Harrison Hellraiser. Uh-oh, with me, Terry Harrison, as your guy. Rethinking Heroes, Life After the Military, with Carrie Harrison. And it is the top of the hour. Carrie Harrison with you, Rethinking Heroes, RethinkingHeroes.com. Don't forget, you can get our free newsletter where you're going to get a transcript of this show and other stuff that is absolutely not possible to put on FCC-regulated airwaves. That doesn't mean porn. I know a lot of you have asked for that. Uh, but I can't seem to find the right one that makes everyone happy. So get your own. But all the cool other stuff that we simply can't include, stuff that's behind the scenes and conversations, other bits of aspects, and, uh, of course, insights and observations. So you can simply go to RethinkingHeroes.com, get our free newsletter. You can also do the same thing by just signing up at Substack, keyword Rethinking Heroes. Well, Donald Trump's legal issues will be fought on two distinct fronts, right? Neither of which he can afford to lose. First, the courtrooms, and then perhaps even more importantly, the realm of the Republican independent public opinion. Yes, what would be 
called voters, if there are any such things left actually still alive that think that it even matters, but in that court of opinion. If Mr. Trump loses, either his career as a politician is over, that's what they're saying. If he loses, his career as a politician is over. I say BS, because that's what we're all being told. Much like P.T. Barnum, the more bearded ladies you have under your tent, the bigger the crowd, that Ringling Brothers used to winter north of Sarasota in Florida, and routinely there were custody battles over the offspring of the lobster boy and any of his girlfriends. This was in the newspaper. Did it hurt the circus? Oh, no. Did it diminish the amount of attendees? Oh, oh no. Did, did it become a sermon in the local Baptist church? Hell no. In fact, it sold more newspapers, increased TV ratings, and exploded attendance for the circus. So the bigger the circus, the bigger the success. Count on it. You know it. You've seen it with your eyes. Please, please don't go into denial. It's bad enough. Many well-meaning people seem to think that their, their table manners are the table manners of their neighbors. Well, I'm just appalled by this. Uh, uh, everyone will just say, no, it's bad, and it'll all go away. Really? Something so outrageous would immediately be dismissed by the tasteful and discriminating American public, the same public that rides around like hippopotami and electric buggies at Walmart. Think deep for once, huh? Sure, it's true Donald Trump would try to control the discourse around his indictments, as well as the effective tools known as TV and radio and print. And let's not forget, social media larger than all three combined. Eight hundred. Well, I'm, I'm going to actually the, the number. It depends where you live. But let's just say most of Earth, about eight hundred billion. Is distortion and disinformation illegal when it comes from a president or former president? Well, no, not according to Richard Milhouse Nixon, who I am thrilled to be able to quote twice a year. And over the past 40 years of Orwellian, Huxleyan eye-rolling, whether you're Larry Craig sitting in the airport toilet with a wide stance, tapping your foot three whole times for the cop in the adjoining stall, or <laughs> the great catch-me-if-you-can Congressman George Santos Disinformation, BS, huckstering, and doublespeak is always going to be the cut-through language in the coming trials and election cycle to follow. Count on it. You've been watching it. Don't pretend you're shocked and appalled that people aren't doing what you think they ought to be doing. In a moment, I'm going to bring on one of the greatest legal minds, whom I am lucky to know as a personal friend. He's going to help us break down what the Constitutional actually says about all of this. And doesn't it matter? Or does it matter whether Donald Trump or Donald Duck or Donald O'Connor, rest in peace? It's, it, what matters is that the founding fathers, my direct ancestors, never envisioned a presidential candidate swinging in a gibbet like the pirates in a cage with the birds pecking at his eyeballs with ankle bracelets. Later, you know, he dragged into the White House where he can eat salmon and enjoy a nice tooth bleaching all at the taxpayer's expense, in the House of Washington, Jefferson, and Adams. What does this really mean? Reality is what we're going to deal with today, rather than op opinion, appetite, and hope. Forget hope. Go to church if you want hope. This is the real world. One of the primary tactics of disinformation is repetition. We've seen it throughout history, most remarkably through the mouthpiece of Dr. Joseph Goebbels, who learned everything uniquely from... Un-American, Edward Albernays. 
But history is inconvenient, Nikki, so I'll try to avoid it for at least 20 seconds. We're going to have a cognitive bias, all of us humans, called the illusory truth effect. The more we hear a false statement, the more likely we are to believe it to be true. On the other hand, this is also works for truth. The more we say the truth, the more credible it becomes. Repeating facts is vitally important. Sometimes we call this school. Whether you're watching Fox, Newsmax, MSNBC, or CNN, I think we all agree that a distinction needs to be made between misinformation and disinformation. Misinformation is unknowingly spreading incorrect news. Disinformation is when you do it on purpose. Most modern-day American politicians, including Donald Trump, who is a masterclass communicator, they're going to save their skin. Will it be a massive disinformation, misinformation, or wholesome Christian truth campaign? How do we even know what anyone is actually allowed to do? Because at the end of the day, it's the law that matters, not the hair and makeup or the obsession that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has with naked men or the obsession he has with drag queens and other things that the average person playing golf plays zero attention to and never wants to hear about. Well, we're going to explore information, more importantly, what the law says about who our presidents are allowed to be, allowed to be. We'll look at the series of indictments, which put Donald Trump squarely within the setting of the alleged truth-telling evidential uh, framework of the American legal system. And it's true that Trump and his allies want to make it sound like all the indictments are part of a political plot against him. But are they? Well, maybe they are. Maybe they're not. We can't fall for the red herring that the fight against disinformation is some sort of censorship or an assault on free speech. None of us likes being censored. We don't like being canceled. We don't like to be told to shut up or that our pimples are beautiful. We'd much rather know we have a giant squid in the middle of our forehead ready to explode and and that we ought to be well advised to step into the restroom and handle that imminently exploding octopus above our eyes. We are grateful for that. Not, oh, God, that's beautiful. I'm going to step over here because when it explodes, well, I didn't bring a raincoat. Wrong answer. The primary way to fight disinformation is to stop its amplification. But is refusing to amplify someone else's disinformation censorship? Well, it depends on whether it's free or paid platform. If it's a regulated utility like a phone where you can do and say anything you want or someone else's social media platform that they let you on for free, basically it's their front lawn and they can kick you the hell off when they feel like it. And that includes Twitter. That includes Facebook. You don't own it. You don't pay for it. You could do whatever you, you know, they could say and do whatever they want. So don't complain, please. That's if we really, really, really value private property as much as we say so. If we do, we would never complain about YouTube, Twitter, anybody censoring us because it's private property and you don't pay to be on there. But when you do pay, like the phone company, a regulated utility, you get to say whatever you want and they can't say no. Then many people are thinking, well, is it censorship for you to refuse to hand out flyers at Ku Klux Klan rally? Well, yeah, it is a form of censorship, personal censorship, but it's also a form of free speech. See how complicated it is? Now you're going to have to think. So with me, speaking of thinkers, thinking of a capacious brain, so gargantuan, so filled with firing dendrites and beautiful synapses. I mean, we're talking a giant, the size of of a sperm whale, this brain is so beautiful, and it's filled with humor and perspective. This is what a good brain looks like. You're about to witness it. Lionel, acclaimed New York attorney, media savant, humorist, host of Lionel Nation on YouTube. It's live. 
twice daily. There's energy for you, plus scads of video disquisitions and perorations anent and regarding that which is critical and yet oft ignored. If society is to collapse in flames, let it be with panache, he says. Embrace your inner flaneur. And I could say <laughs> flaneur because I am in Paris, France right now, where we are doing the show live. Lionel, I want to welcome you to Rethinking Heroes. Thank you so much, my dear friend. Anybody who can bring up Grady Styles, Electrodactyly, and a Lobster Boy, and Purulent Pustules within this incredible, this this word uh, souffle. Ah, I am I am so indeed honored. Let's get down to brass tacks uh, regarding yes. uh, Donald Trump, so that people will know this. Donald Trump is not being indicted for merely saying or thinking that his uh, that his um, election was stolen. Th- that's absurd. That's what people are saying. Uh, and it's not misinformation, disinformation, or my favorite, that information, which is even rarer. No, this yeah. is just this is just right-wing lunacy uh, versus left-wing lunacy. No, that's not it. They're saying that he did a little bit more than that. And that remains to be seen. So the, the first issue is, what is it precisely that he's being charged with? And in which case? I find this last case involving uh, the notion of a, a criminal enterprise, that's absurd. That's absurd. Here's the deal. If you and I join the Gambino crime family, we enlist them to allow us in. We we are, are made, straightened out, get our badge. We, are, we act in concert to support the Gambino crime family. Did you Not say get our badge? Other. Yes, that, our badge. That, that is that is that is New York uh, downtown Hello. party. My name is straightened out. Get your badge. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, uh, whatever. So that's different. What they're claiming is that people like uh, uh, sound the Kraken or release the Kraken, uh, Sidney Powell and others right. were doing things in order to further a criminal racketeering enterprise. That's absurd. What the, what they might have been doing was wrong. So that notwithstanding. But what what Fannie Willis is saying, which is interesting, is there is a couple of Georgia statutes that are, dare I say, more granular. And when you look at them, they will indeed pose a problem if indeed proven. Remember something. It is the rarest of rare cases where somebody is charged with something that where there is absolutely no evidence whatsoever that exists. And you may say, this is the most unfair thing we've ever seen in your life. Stacey Abrams did this. Hillary Clinton, bleach pit, that's fine. If a police officer pulls you over for going 31 miles an hour in a 30, that is uh, a, a, a tawdry and uh, and uh, needless, I was all chicken or something. And and it's, it's wrong. However, it's legal. And if they charge you a hundred times, if a traffic judge sees a hundred times you've been charged, but you were going 31, is it a waste of time? <laughs> yes. Is it legal? Yes. Now, you ask the question, can a president, let's assume he's indicted, let's assume he's convicted, let's assume he's incarcerated, in an actual cell, forget, you know, ankle bracelets and community control and all this stuff. And Could gibbets. he indeed, gibbets and versus giblets, which is a different concept altogether. <laughs> but let's assume that he were to be the answer is he doesn't he, he could serve uh, everybody knows eugene v debs in 1920 
uh, who was uh, incarcerated by Wilson, he ran and got a million votes and could very well have been in prison, could have remained in prison, could have could have somehow done his Article Two duties while in the pokey, the Hooskow, the Gray Bar Inn, the big house. He could have done that. It, it may seem ridiculous. By the way, Warren Gamaliel Harding was the one who actually pardoned him later on. But here's the reason why. Very, and very I, I did afternoons on a talk radio station in New York, WEVD, mm-hmm. which was bought by Disney and turned to sports. Right. Yes. Eugene v. Right. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Yes. A now, what's interesting socialist. is that the, the, the founders and drafters of the Constitution did not want a and think about this. This makes sense for the disqualification of uh, a president to happen merely because he was charged with something, because that means everybody's going to be charged. Guaranteed. Oh, you don't like the election? Charge him. Get rid of him. So they wanted to make a two-step process, impeachment, conviction, and then, you know, uh, prosecution. But under Article 2 of the Constitution, it merely says 35 years old, 14-year continuous resident, natural-born citizen. That's it. Now, whether that's practical, who knows? It's another story. What What's interesting, though, is you brought up something, with you, and you brought up the Grady Styles um, Lobster Boy reference. Only in America, at least now, could being charged repeatedly with multiple uh, felonies increase your popularity within the Republican Party. Yes. The law and yes. order. The law and order. Uh, and, and people think <laughs> most mistakenly that I'm a Republican. I am not. I am a rabid, wild-eyed independent. I'm crazed. I'm so radicalized. No, not at all. But but here's the thing. And let me just leave you with this because I don't know how we're doing on time. If you're going to charge somebody with something, you want to be charged with something that you could put on a bumper sticker. Harrison. Killed a nun. That's it. Whoa. Harrison robbed the liquor store. Harrison robbed you. You killed you. You, 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 you manhandled uh, a, uh, a nun. You microwaved a kitten. You know, like, oh my God. You don't want to be charged with Harrison took a payment made to a Chantouse that was provided and funneled through a Michael Cohen and then re. No. That's right. you, you. You lost right. me right there. You don't want to say that Harrison, upon leaving his his, took some papers with him that were not under the presidential. However, he did it, but they weren't his. No, we we don't want that. And the Jack Smith, Harrison, uh, 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 defrauded the country by daring to attempt to. No, you don't want that. You don't. You want something that's real, real simple. Something like what they're accusing. Uh, Hunter Biden of doing, if true. That's easy. You paid here. My dad is yeah, Biden. using a PC instead of a Mac. Yeah. Well, give me the money. I will pay. You know, something like that. Whatever. That at least I can understand whether it's true or not. That's got some some meat to it. The American public doesn't. Even though he's not a member of the government. So it's an entirely different. And, you know, it's he's not Stephen Smith. Uh, eating pop even though his father, and even though his father was his father was vice president and was a member, and well, right. could very well be that's, still continuing. That, but that's we can the argue. part. That's the part yeah. that's troubling. Yeah, but but still though, that's easy to understand, irrespective of this. Now, let me just tell me when I got to go because here's what you got to watch for under the we got weirdest about, of, uh, two minutes. Okay, under the weirdest. I'll of, give you two of, and a half. Perhaps 
okay, under the weirdest of twists and turns, there might be the provision where the president could claim, <laughs> I don't know, that he was acting under color of title of president and could have his case removed to federal court in the Northern District of Georgia, thus leaving this prosecutor without the ability to do so. I believe Mark uh, uh, Eastman and others are going to be uh, moving the court to to um, sever their case from other defendants. So you've got 19 potential co-defendants with 19 potential series of multiple uh, motions to separate and sever. Because remember, if we're all charged with something, I want to be away from you. I want to be, especially if I'm a minor actor, I want to be away from you. I don't want to have your activities and mine in any way commingled. So this is going to be a pre-trial monster. And you also have individuals who are now turning to President Trump and saying, could you please help me? I can't afford this. The worst of which seems to be Rudy Giuliani, who is just, I mean, they're coming at him. <laughs> left and right. And there are a lot of people, specifically of the organized crime persuasion, who are not the least bit um, uh, saddened by that. So it remains to be seen. And 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 here's the thing. And the last thing, um, if, if somebody could please advise President uh, Trump or anybody for that matter, if you're running for president or you're being charged, do not insult the prosecutor. If you're running for president, give people a vision. What are you going to do? Why should I vote for you? Uh, we all know you, it's, it's like the Carrie Lake spiel. We understand, yes, you lost the election. Yes, we understand it. Anything new, please. No, it's the same old song and dance. So politically is one thing, legally is another. So this remains to be seen as they say. But I think the good news is this is at the end of this arc of uh, of uh, prosecution. And I think it's done, at least for the time being. Let's see what happens next my dear and great friend. This was a fantastic primer into things to come. True. And also you laid it out in a way completely understandable for the average person. Important to note that Trump has not been convicted of any crimes, presumed innocent until proven guilty in this country, as Indeed. is everyone else. However, the indictments are a serious matter. They will or could have far-reaching consequences. So it will be interesting to see how the case unfolds, what the ultimate outcome is. I want to thank you, Lionel, acclaimed New York attorney, media savant, a humorous host of Lionel Nation on YouTube, live twice daily, plus scads of video disquisitions, perorations, anent, and regarding that which is critical yet oft ignored, actually generally <laughs> ignored. If society is to collapse in flames, let it be with panache, he says, and embrace your inner flaneur, which I am doing from Paris live today. Yes. I thank you, my brother, from the bottom of my heart, and have a fabulous day indeed thank you sir all right my friend carrie harrison here with you this is rethinking heroes rethinkingheroes.com in just a moment we have found a man brave he had to be in another country it turns out but he is bringing forth issues about 9-11 that you have thought about that you have read about that you have considered but you have not been allowed to talk about it and no U.S. press has been allowed to discuss these subjects. He's put together a book of over 400 pages that lays out the most exquisite pathway. You're going to want it as not only your personal history book, but the directions on how to pull off one hell of a crime. Meanwhile, American families are wishing to sue, to talking to the Saudis. They are blocked. They are forbidden. Why? Why? All the whys. 
Many of them will be answered in just a tick. Listen, well, it's still legal. Rethinking Heroes with Harry Harrison. RethinkingHeroes.com Carrie Harrison here with an amazing offer for you. Have you ever wanted to be on the actual radio where tens of thousands of people can hear you live? At any given moment, thousands and thousands of people are listening to the radio. But here's what I'd like to do for you. Think of it as a personal Larry King type interview where we go in depth about who and what you do and why people can benefit from your services. Wouldn't you like to have the high-class problem of way too many customers? Plus, I'll take it up a notch and put you on every major podcast platform from the number one Spotify to iHeart to Apple, even Amazon Alexa. Your message will exponentially expand as people discover and download you wherever they are. Maybe you're simply looking to put together a kick-ass podcast and are looking for a producer or someone that can make this happen for you. Why am I doing this? Well... I've been in radio for years, and technology now makes it possible for me to show others how to do what I've enjoyed for so long. Whether you'd benefit from a combination personal broadcast radio and interview po- whether you'd benefit from a combination personal broadcast radio and interview podcast or want to create your own podcast, at the end of the day, they can't do anything about you if they don't know about you. So I'm here to make sure they do know about you. Shoot me a text or call 310-737-TALK and I'll send you the easy info. That's 310-737-TALK, 310-737-TALK. Again, they can't do anything about you if they don't know about you. You could text, call, or leave me, Carrie Harrison, a message at 310-737-TALK, 310-737-TALK, 310-737-8255. Carrie Harrison with you, Rethinking Heroes, RethinkingHeroes.com, where you can get our free favorite price newsletter. And you can also go to Substack and just look for Rethinking Heroes. And we're going to give you transcripts of this stuff and other things that we simply cannot do on the radio. Lots of extra bells and whistles. Why? Because you deserve it. Imagine radio telling it likes its listeners. That's me. That's always going to be the way. Well, anyone interested in social justice and human suffering, social accountability in the present and future, you're going to find this next segment interesting. As we hover around yet another milestone anniversary, the dynamic has changed. We are now allowed to ask if it's possible that the 9-11 attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon were covered up. Just barely allowed anyway. Covered up like the assassinations of President John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, and Martin Luther King Jr., even the associate editor of the Wall Street Journal, whose name is Paul Craig Roberts, even the associate editor of the Wall Street Journal says, quote, we cannot let the government get away with its implausible and unbelievable explanations. Roberts also happened to serve as assistant secretary of the Treasury for economic policy under President Ronald Reagan, and it's hardly being politically correct. So we're going to do a deep dive into a 425-page book which reveals the crime that changed America forever. And I mean forever. Who can forget the Patriot Act? Who can forget on TV color codes? How safe is it to go outside? We're still living in that moment. Surveillance state. uh, I, I could go on. I won't. You already know it. We can all agree that our faith in the great American experiment was shaken to its foundation by this event, and this is probably the event that caused most Americans to seriously doubt the honesty of their government authorities. Who can forget Swingin' Dick Cheney talking, quite literally, 
out of the side of his mouth, quite literally. Or W, whose malaprops were so legend that this top DJ, uh, top DJ made this most beautiful remix. Next satellite radio broadcast, a new radio broadcast system. Here's my mix. I'm George W. Bush, President of the United States. I'm so pleased to be working with Senator Clinton. She is a fabulous woman. Thank you. Thank you, President Bush. As you know better than most, as all of us know, we must say nuclear. 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 Seriously. Seriously. Obviously. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt in my mind. No doubt. No way. Hermanos y hermanas, ame al prójimo como a sí mismo. Love your neighbor like you'd like to be loved yourself. With great frequency and vigor. Como a sí mismo, it's a universal call. Como a sí mismo, it's a universal love. We should have done this four years ago. What? It's amazing, isn't it? Que Dios le bendiga. Como a sí mismo. People try to put us down. People like you and me. I don't think so, Bill. Just because we, 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 we get around. Welcome to Washington. Goes with the territory. Thanks, they do. Look awfully I seriously suggest you go to Chicago. We have got to work together. Poppycock to uh, eradicate poppycock. To eradicate poppycock. And as a matter of fact, I'd call it crap. Crap? Huh? I wouldn't call it crap. Crap? Yeah, crap. Oh my goodness. What's going on? Blow the whistle. We have a problem. Poppycock. 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 You're in control of your life, not the government. The government's not dictating you know, what you, how you do things. You are. This critical time in this complicated situation we find ourselves in, let us be unequivocally clear. If we allow this dehumanizing rhetoric to go unchallenged, it can spread, it can spread, and it can take young minds and twist and pervert them. That infection is contagious. That infection is contagious. That infection is contagious, and it can spread. It can spread. Kind of like a dog chasing your tail. Stop. That's a cheap shot. It has to end now. Uh, uh, let me finish. If I were to ever say, wrong war, wrong place, wrong time. Wrong war at the wrong place at the wrong time. Wrong war at the wrong... Wrong war, wrong place, wrong time. Wrong war at the wrong place at the wrong time. Wrong war at the wrong time at the wrong place. Wrong war at the wrong time at the right wrong place. The wrong war at the wrong place. Wrong war, wrong time, wrong place. Wrong war, wrong time. Time, wrong place. It's the wrong war at the wrong time at the wrong place. You would have had trouble containing yourself from laughing out loud at the president. It's a sad situation. There's too much poppycock here in Washington, D.C. Poppycock, poppycock, poppycock. Disassemble. Is that the uh, verb you used? Disassemble. That means not tell the truth. Give the man a plot. I got a hop. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. Ciao. That brought back a flashback I, I may never be able to purge, but at least we were able to laugh at the oafishness of that cruel president who now looks like a statesman compared to the alternatives seeking or occupying the White House. Carrie Harrison with you. This is Rethinking Heroes, RethinkingHeroes.com. But back to the turbulent period marked by terrorist attacks and suicide bombings, the world's economy collapsed, a pandemic raged for two years. And if you've ever wondered where the impetus for the conflicts in Afghanistan and Iraq come from, a book called Unanswered Questions is the book for you. It took an investigative reporter and a theologian to uncover the unfiltered truth. Truth? Yes, truth with an F. When challenged about the wars that were fought during his presidency, former President W. 
George W. Bush avoids taking responsibility. More than 22 years have passed since the unavoidable calamity he set in motion, but he still shows no remorse and refuses to take no responsibility for his actions. His statements about weapons of mass destruction have been disproved by truth seekers of all colors and political persuasions. His uncompromising stance in which he insisted every nation and every region now has a decision to make. It's black and white. Either you're on our side or the terrorists. Huh? About to speak with Ray McGinnis, that's who we're going to do, who points out the central question of why the United States has protected Saudi Arabia from legal action by families and loved ones of the September 11 victims for almost two decades. As the events played out, they left a, you know, ever laughing, ever laughing, laughing for me, not for them, everlasting impression. The death toll still stands at nine, uh, 2,996 people, including the 19 hijackers who committed murder-suicide in the worst terrorist strike ever in our country. And in addition to the surviving families, thousands more were hurt. And long-term health problems affect thousands, including my twin sister, or Twister, from the first responders to people like her living in lower Manhattan, who sucked on that air for well over a year, and we all know what was in it. In 2020, then-Attorney General William Barr and then-Acting Director of National Intelligence Richard Grinnell claimed that disclosing any information about quote, Saudi connections to the destruction of the Twin Towers, the attack on the Pentagon, would threaten national security, and that the very justification for keeping such information secret would be needed to keep under wraps. Attorney General William Barr, and we've seen him in his sexiest in the past four years, told the judge that disclosing the materials, quote, you'll love this, would reveal information that could harm state secrets. State secrets? Now there's a term you don't hear in a democracy. Let's just jump right on into it. Introduce Ray McGinnis, who did a deep dive into the questions raised by the Family Steering Committee for the 9-11 Independent Commission. It took a Canadian, not blocked by the U.S. government, to search for information that led him to uncover more open source material and the range of views among September 11th family members. It has led him to reflect on what it means to live in a post-9-11 world and the narratives that we trust. Here we are hovering around that anniversary again. Ray McGinnis is also known for investigating the justification for the Trudeau government's invocation of the Emergencies Act on Valentine's Day of 2022. <laughs> and his writings across Canada have restored faith in journalism amongst our northern friends. Ray McGinnis, I want to welcome you to Rethinking Heroes. Great to be with you, Carrie. Good to speak with you. I am glad you're here, and I'm glad to learn what you are about to tell us Uh we all know much of the backstory here, but uh, let's take a peek at the central focus of your book, Unanswered Questions, the obstruction of the United States government. Uh, by doing that, they're still seeking to prevent the 9-11 families from having their day in court with Saudi Arabia and certain Saudi officials. And that still baffles the survivors of these 9-11 families. Uh, walk us through that, if you would. So, so here, here we are, you know, nearly 22 years after the attacks, and you've got families that would like to have a day in court. Remember that after the, the commission report came out, uh, people like Lori Van Auken and others on the Family Steering Committee for the 9-11 Independent Commission who were monitoring the commission said that when they read the report, it left them with even more questions than they had before the commission began to do its investigation. 
And and when you talk about, you know, what, what William Barr was saying regarding state secrets, you know, the claim is all the more mysterious since the matter in question concerns two Saudis, one Los Angeles consulate official and another an alleged Saudi spy living undercover uh, as an exchange student in, in, in San Diego. And, and the involvement of these two Saudi nationals with several of the alleged hijackers is already detailed in the 9-11 Commission report. So all of that is already public information. So in light of all of that, the families want to know, in what way does Attorney General William Barr mean that national security would be imperiled? How could the details of possible Saudi complicity in the attacks of September 11th embarrass the United States government or worse, harm the nation? I mean, it just doesn't add up to them. It seems to me, Ray McGinnis, that if you... Uh, rob a jewelry store, any town USA, the cops want to know the motive. Uh, they take fingerprints and they go after it. This is more than a jewel heist. It is a slaughter, multiple multi-billion dollar aircraft brought down, the entire stock exchange devastated, a whole economy switched, and not one cop wants to take one fingerprint. And even though we've had these sort of circus show and tells, and we know exactly, precisely the names, we have photos, we know who did what and almost who paid for it. And yet we're not allowed to ask. But in Canada, well, I guess it seems a little different from you. You're not called a communist or a bad person or, you know, whatever. Like somehow you felt able to do it, whereas here we will be shot if we ask questions. Well, I was, I mean, I, I came upon this after I stumbled into a bookstore one time reading uh, Kristen Breitweiser's uh, memoir, Wake Up Call, The Political Education of a 9-11 Widow. Her husband, Ron, died in the South Tower. And I read that in 2007. And up in Canada, I mean, the focus has been entirely in the news. It's been all about the sad stories and the obituaries and the remembrances and nothing about the important grassroots advocacy of these families. And and I remember watching the 9-11 Commission when Richard Clark, the counterterrorism czar, testified and, and he said, uh, uh, you know, before the commission and all the families gathered there uh, in the audience, you know, your government failed you and I failed you. And I remember being impressed with that. And I remember the families went to the press and said, thank you, Richard Clark, at least somebody in government is saying, you know, we blew it and so on. But what I didn't know at the time <laughs> until more recently was that Richard Clark was uh, was close friends with a number of United Arab Emirates uh, royal family members, uh, one of them a defense minister who often went on bird hunting with Osama bin Laden in Afghanistan. And in 1999, in both uh, February and March, he tipped off uh, the uh, United Arab Emirates royals to let... Uh, bin Laden uh, know that the CIA agents in the field were about to apprehend him so that uh, bin Laden could get the slip. Now, I mean, this is, you know, kind of close to the official story and so on with, you know, both Republican leaning and Democrat and independent leaning families that, that maybe accept some, some of the official account. But even on the face of the official account, all of this kind of behavior, how is it possible that the counterterrorism czar, who's who's responsible for combating terrorism and keeping the nation safe, when Bin Laden at that time was already wanted for bombings of embassies in, in Tanzania and Kenya, 
is being given given a word uh, passed on to prevent CIA from apprehending him to answer charges the government has. Yeah, interesting, uh, Ray McGinnis. I have a friend who is a Marine who was six months in um, Afghanistan and Kuwait before Saddam Hussein had done the dog leg drilling for oil and any of this happened and they literally choreographed and rehearsed even what we would call in the movie industry in LA craft services bringing in the food they literally had rehearsed and memorized how you get off a plane how many steps turn here build the tent and he watched and talks about how CNN showed up they built a berm they literally timed out the first of the missiles to go live with CNN the entire thing choreographed. Let me reintroduce you right now, Ray McGinnis, here on Rethinking Heroes. He's done a deep dive into the questions raised by the Family Steering Committee for the 9-11 Independent Commission, took a Canadian not blocked by the U.S. government to search for information that led him to uncover more open source material and the range of views among September 11th family members. If you're an American, if you can relate to a family member that's not only been aggrieved where people have been murdered and you're not allowed to look in it and you think, but that's what the cops and the government is supposed to do, you're scratching their head too, as you would. This has led Ray uh, McGinnis to reflect on what it means to live in a post-11 world and the narratives that we trust. Uh, He's also known for investigating the justification for the Trudeau's government invocation of the Emergencies Act on Valentine's Day of 2022. And his book, which is out right here, right now for you, lays out how the government does cover-ups, how the government won't let families talk to the Saudis. Uh, Ray McGovern, for uh, Ray McGinnis, for example, how does your book explore the relationship between the United States government and Saudi Arabia in the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks? Well, it, it seems that the, the United States government is is very interested in, in making sure that the Saudi Arabian government is shielded from being uh, from having a day in court with the families. Uh, in, in successive administrations, so it, this is this is completely confounding and uh, uh, baffling and maddening for the families uh, who who cannot understand. Uh, I mean, the official account, uh, you know, where you have some you know unity among some families because there are some families that want that you know compl- want to investigate complicity within the U.S. administration. But never mind starting with the Saudis. Yet again, the, the the government doesn't want the families and wants to protect the Saudis. You know, make have give them immunity from being prosecuted. So here we are, twenty two years later, and that's the best the government can do. And Ray McGinnis to not avoid the gigantic, hairy, tusked mastodon in the middle of the room. The Saudis are useful for one thing. Under their sand is our oil. Get rid of our oil under their sand. They'd be behind bars. They'd be, well, they they wouldn't exist. They'd be gone. So once again, this does loop back to who makes the money, who controls the money, who's got the money. And let's talk quickly, Ray McGinnis, what role does ex-president George W. Bush play in the narrative? In your book, Unanswered Questions, 425 pages, I believe, it is a thick tome. You're going to want to read it because it explains to you how we conduct wars and how we end up winning them, even if we don't. 
because it's kind of rigged. But you need to know how this works because it works the same way in your life with all the different branches, whether it's AT&T or anybody. It's the same mechanics that get them to the finish line and leave you wheezing and gagging in the beginning. How does George W. Bush, how does the text portray his response to the wars in Afghanistan and in Iraq? Well, well, I mean, he, I mean, you know, when the, when the, when the attacks happen themselves, uh, we all find George W. Bush, thanks to Michael Moore, who brought attention to this, to this uh, footage, the president was sitting in a classroom with kindergarten, you know, with, with elementary school children, reading them a book about a pet goat. And so, the sense of, of of the leadership in response to this terrorist attack uh, with the government blindsided and everything, it's almost as though psychologically um, all Americans and all citizens watching the president are kind of put in the position of being elementary school students listening to there once was a pet mm. goat and so on. Mm. And so we're not thinking a bit big picture. We're all kind of as back in, you know, romper room. And and so this is this is a dumbing down. I think it's a it's a you know and you've got Ari Fleischer at the back of the room with a with a sign to the president that says don't say anything yet. I mean what was what was what were they afraid he was going to say? Well, that's he it. Says, you know, Talk about put, a minister of propaganda, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 then you know then I mean also one of the one of the questions the families had was. How, how does it happen to be that the president signed a presidential directive to go to war against Afghanistan and the Taliban on the 9th of September 2001? I mean, t- two days before. I mean, why would you do that? Why would you sign that kind of directive? Did you have a heads up? I mean, what's with that? Uh, obviously, you had a heads up. It's a, What shall I do today? I'm going to get up, walk in the garden, and then have a war in the Middle East. That's a great idea. What a good day for this. The sun is shutting. No, no. And and this is where I get so frustrated with my fellow Americans is somehow we're so somnambulistic. We do not contain critical thinking that is ruthless and biting like it should be. We used to be able to have extraordinary analysis, such exquisite journalists as H.L. Mencken, who wrote for the Boston Sun, or sorry, the uh, uh Baltimore Sun in 1923, 24, 26. Read H.L. Mencken. You will pee your pants laughing at the genius satire. But he laid it all out. Where are these Americans today? Where are we today? We're terrified of our own shadows, and we should be. We were trained by this government after 9-11 to shut up. Don't ask questions. Put a flag on your lapel. And if you say something, you are a potential terrorist. And we have believed it ever since. We now censor each other. We cancel each other. We don't allow each other to talk. We've even taken the John Ashcroft move, who created uniquely free speech zones. Remember that? Let me tell you, the whole country is supposed to be one giant free speech zones. But wherever we got together to demonstrate, we were put off a mile away in a free speech zone. And we now believe that. And we now do that to each other. We shut each other up. We say, oh, you're hurting my feelings. All of this is a result of that. It is time to stand up. It is time to have your voice heard. It is time for people like Ray McGinnis to release a book like this that gives you the 
sense of strength and ownership and agency once again to ask questions that involve you and affect your life. Walk away with life's history and real answers to the something that has been plaguing you for over 20 years. And it had to be it had to be brought to you by an outsider because nobody has the guts and the gumption to do this kind of work here in the United States. Last question for 90 seconds, Ray McGinnis. What is the significance of the contradictions in NORAD and the Pentagon's officials' testimonies regarding the military response to the hijackings, as mentioned in your book? Well, we, we have seven different uh, timelines that were offered by NORAD and the Pentagon regarding what their response was, including, oh, we had no response at all. And then, uh, you know, General Myers, Richard Myers, oops. I guess I guess we did have a response, and here's what it was, and then they changed it six more, five more times after that. So it, it's completely uh, incomprehensible to the family regarding, you know, the military precision that the Pentagon is supposed to be operating on, and then to be all thumbs and and putting forward seven different incompatible uh, timelines suggesting what they did, which cannot be the truth. And so you know, even even the 9/11 Commission wanted. To, to consider the Department of Justice inve investigating the Pentagon. So if you were to sum up your book in uh, 45 easy seconds, what is it we walk away with? What we walk away with is that uh, the story we've been told cannot be true. It's a cover-up. And that in order for us to know, know our history so that, you know, you know, if history keeps on re repeating, if we don't know our history. So we need to understand that the story we've been told isn't true and that it's not good enough. And that the best way for us as ordinary citizens uh, is to consider the questions that the families asked that remain unanswered all these years. And that's the most patriotic way to, to, to move democracy forward for, you know, for the safety and well-being of the country. Thank you, author Ray McGinnis, for saying that. And, you know, you in Canada are affected by what we do south of you, as uh, Donald Trump would say, bigly. So you have every reason to remain terrified, as we do, of ourselves. Carrie Harrison with you. This is Rethinking Heroes. And I look forward to seeing you next week. The numbers will increase, but they will not increase, we hope, uh, uh, to catastrophic, further catastrophic proportions. We just don't know yet. Extent of heartbreaking losses becoming clearer in Maui fires. New evacuations as Canada's record wildfire season rages on. Plus... Instead of exporting American jobs, we're creating American jobs, exporting American products. One year later, the Inflation Reduction Act is turbocharging a U.S. clean energy boom. All of those booms and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. This legislation they oppose and attack is now the greatest thing to come to their states. You have Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, the very quiet lady from Georgia. Well, she talked about what Biden's doing is what Roosevelt did, what Kennedy did. I thought, well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, more grim news out of Hawaii today, but at least the bad news is slowing down a bit. 
Uh, That's a good way of looking at it. As we go to air on Maui, Hawaii, the death toll has surpassed 110 and is still rising. Downed power lines are under new scrutiny as a potential ignition source. Amid massive mobilization of resources for search, recovery, and relief efforts, FEMA estimates it will take many years to rebuild the destroyed town of Lahaina at a cost upwards of $5.5 billion. Preliminary insurance industry estimates put total economic loss and damage from the fires as high as $10 billion. The Maui fires destroyed nearly 3,000 structures, the vast majority residential, worsening the pre-existing affordable housing crisis on the island. Survivors say they are already being approached by developers wanting to buy land where their homes once stood. You know, many, of course, think of Hawaii as a paradise, but the fact is, over the past 20 or so years, according to AP, Disasters like this, thanks in no small part to climate change, have sort of gone through the roof on Hawaii. Canada is also still grappling with a record wildfire season intensified by extreme heat and dryness. The government of the Northwest Territories declared a state of emergency this week due to multiple out-of-control wildfires that completely obliterated the rural town of Enterprise and now threaten the territorial capital of Yellowknife. There's no relief from the unprecedented heat that is intensifying the fires in Canada. Parts of British Columbia broke new all-time high records this week for the month of August, topping 106 degrees. Portland, Oregon this week also set a new all-time high August temperature record of 108 degrees. That's about 25 degrees hotter than normal. The last time Portland, Oregon was this hot was during a 1 in 10,000 year heat wave that hit two years ago. As the pace of costly climate change intensified extreme weather disasters accelerates, climate solutions are also gaining speed. Good. One year ago this week, President Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act, the largest single climate investment in U.S. history after a long and very difficult struggle. Experts say the Inflation Reduction Act has already been a game changer for the clean energy sector in America, but experts say it has also spurred other countries to boost their climate investment to compete. So not only a game changer here in the U.S., but a game changer around the world. Yes. However, a recent poll found most Americans are unaware of the law's profound impact. Seventy percent say that they've heard little or nothing at all about the Inflation Reduction Act since it was signed into law. The IRA invests $370 billion over 10 years to accelerate renewable energy projects, increase domestic clean energy manufacturing and electric vehicle manufacturing, and boost electrification, including the first major incentives for homeowners to transition away from polluting fossil fuels. According to new analyses, the climate law has spurred a factory building frenzy in the U.S. More than $110 billion in new private sector clean energy manufacturing plants, including the nation's first solar panel recycling plant. Nearly 200,000 new jobs in the clean energy sector alone. That has spurred others like the European Union and India to boost investment in their own domestic clean tech industries. President Biden, in a tour of a wind energy plant in Milwaukee, Wisconsin this week, noted that all congressional Republicans voted against the Inflation Reduction Act as he highlighted the surge in clean energy jobs and U.S. manufacturing. We're investing in America. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report.